This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast. It's called the Who Gives a Shit Files, and I really appreciate you listening. Now, today's topic is, is going to be one that is very near and dear to my heart. It's about the war devils, and I am not talking about the Tasmanian devil, which is this vicious marsupial that is about 30, 20 to 30 pounds that attacks everything, including people. When I was down there, they said, if you're tromping through the bush, watch out for the Tasmanian devil. But we're not going to talk about him. We're also not going to talk about the Tasmanian war devil, which is a Bugs Bunny character and was a destructive force. It would eat mountains, it would eat forests, it would eat bad guys, it would eat good guys. If you've never seen the Tasmanian devil on the on the Bugs Bunny cartoon shows, do so. He's a very humorous character. What I'm going to talk about is I'm talking about the War Devils. It was a basketball team. And this basketball team, which I was proud to say I was part of, existed from 1975 to about 2004, I believe was the last year we did it. By the way, I'm going to be mentioning a lot of people on this podcast who are part of the War Devils. And anybody who wants to come on and refute what I'm saying, feel free. Because, you know, I'm doing this off the top of my head. So this basketball team was from, once again, 1975 to, I believe it was 2002 or 2003. And if you think about it, right, that spans two millennia, right? The 1900s and the 2000s, this basketball team existed. It was the longest running basketball team in Newport Beach, intramural history with the exception of Old But Slow. They lasted a little longer than we did, but it was great. And that basketball team had a legacy of friendship, of camaraderie, of trust, of basketball, and last of all, of partying. Boy, did we party. And I, you know, if you've listened to my podcast, you know I want to infuse some numbers here. So what we did is we played about 40 games of basketball a year. So they had 10 games in the spring, 10 games in the summer, 10 games in the fall, and 10 games in the winter. So what we did is we played in all those, all those leagues and for over 25 years. And I did the math. Now, this is assuming, you got to follow the math here. And, okay, so this is assuming that every person there, and there's usually eight people that went out to bars or to Jimmy C's, Jim Curry, James Edwin Curry, we're going to talk about him in a little bit, over to his house and party. And I figured that we had an average of five beers apiece per game. So I think that's a modest estimate. Sometimes we didn't party that much, but that was rare. And sometimes we did. So what I did is I took, I took eight people times five times 40 times 25 years. And if you do the math, you come up with 40,000 beers. 
Now, we drank 40,000 beers, and I think that's a conservative estimate because we actually played longer than 25 years. So 40,000 beers is the conservative consumption rate that the War Devils did. And by the way, I want to quantify this. I just did quantify it, but I want to qualify it then. So this was only the partying, only the beers consumed after the game. Okay, this doesn't include like when we were out with each other other times. This is only after a basketball game. Once again, 40,000 beers. I'll let you digest that for a minute. Pretty remarkable. Now, that was on the beer side. Now, on the joint side, okay, what I did is I used the same math, but I assume we did three joints among eight people in uh after every game so if you if you multiply that out you come up with 750 joints that's what my math told me so the partying legacy that we had after the games was once again 40,000 beers and 750 joints now you'll notice that i said that we had a legacy of trust and camaraderie and basketball and partying we did not have an we did not have a legacy of intelligence because we all drove home after that and thank God it was a different time in a different place and we were stupid but you know we all survived so we had an incredible run and so much fun being with us, uh, with each other and hanging out and you know people we made lifelong friendships war devil is a term when you're a war devil it's like a brand it's like you were part of something not necessarily a great basketball legacy although we won some championships in the newport beach league uh it was more of once again a brotherhood a camaraderie a bunch of party and pot smoking and beer drinking idiots and that's what we were now the first war devil i wanted to talk about his name is scott holt and he's a very good friend of mine. And the reason I wanted to talk about him is because he is the one that came and enrolled us in 1975 for the first War Devil team. So you could say he is the founding member of the War Devils, Scott Holt. And by the way, the year before, the season before, I was not involved in this, and this was in 1974. I was uh, back east, but I was not involved with this. There was a, uh, the War Devils emanated, evolved from a team called the Valport Bombers, I believe, and any War Devil can come in and correct me on that. And that team had a guy who was 6'10", who was a heroin actor, who couldn't even dunk. Can you imagine being 6'10 and not dunking? Well, that guy couldn't make the War Devils. So the next year, Scott Holt enrolled us. And I want you to know, Scott Holt is, was an incredible basketball player. And he is known for blowing the league championship <laughs> between Harbor and Huntington Beach High School. And there was, a, there was a foul that was committed. Actually, somebody yelled at the referee, tight game. And the referee was just looking for somebody to do a technical foul on. And he gave Scott a technical foul 
erroneously. And Scott has never lived it down. And it is so sad because he's, I've heard this story, at least, I, you know, no exaggeration, a dozen times, a dozen times. And I feel bad for the poor guy. But he was a really good defender, really intense player, reminded me of Adonis Haslam, could guard anybody, could guard a center, could guard a point guard, real quick, played tough defense, had a good shot. And by the way, he does an incredible podcast. And it is on the history of Newport Beach. So it's on the Who Gives a Shit Files. So I want you to know, and Scott, I haven't told you this, and this is brand new news, is that you and I have been nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for our work on the expose of the Newport Beach Tunnel, which hardly anybody knew that. Anybody in the audience know that hasn't listened to the podcast that there was a tunnel that was dug from Newport Beach, I'm sorry, from the wedge in Newport Beach to Corona Del Mar State Beach that was destroyed in the 1933 um uh earthquake and there was graft involved and there was you know um corruption involved it was a poorly made tunnel and they buried it they buried it i mean literally it was literally buried by the earthquake but the people the powers that be at the time the powerful families the politicians they buried this and scott put on an expose and yes, we're nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. So, Scott, congratulations. So, the next one guy I want to talk about, his name is James Edwin Curry, known as Jimmy C. And we used to go to his house and party, not only after War Devil Games, but in general. I lived there for a couple of years. We were roommates. A great guy. Jimmy C and I have traveled across the world. And I want to let you know, I want to debunk a rumor, speculation, that has been going on for the longest time. And that is that Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had the most formidable weapon in basketball history, which was the hook. And I want you to know that his hook shot was not even the best hook shot I've ever seen. First of all, he is 7'2 and doing it right-handed. He's a right-handed player. Jimmy C., who's 5'11", was doing left-handed hooks with far greater accuracy than Kareem. And it was a left-handed hook for a right-handed player. So I got to tell you, forget about Kareem's formidable hook shot. It was Jimmy C's hook shot. And I'm here to say it right now is the most intense, formidable, undominable weapon in the history of basketball. So... to Kareem's hook shot, refer to Jimmy C's left-handed hook shot. And then who I wanted to talk about was John Garner. And John Garner, he can be heard all over the place on the Who Gives a Shit Files. What he does is he does the, the, uh, the USC football. He's our USC football consultant. Does a terrific job. And John was the best shooter of all time. And don't talk to me about Steph Curry. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear about it. I just don't want to hear about it. John Gardner shot seven three-pointers. He was seven for seven in three-point shots in a half. And this is a 20-minute running half. So it 
doesn't stop when the ball goes out of bounds. It doesn't stop at free throws. It doesn't stop at all. The clock keeps running. And he only played, if memory serves me correctly, about 13 or 14 of those minutes. So John was hitting a a three-point shot once every two minutes. And what I've done is I've gotten sophisticated algorithm and I plugged it into my computers and I did all the work and I found out through extensive research that you only find on Who Gives a Shit Files that nobody in the history of basketball has hit that many three-point shots that quickly ever. So John you and I have to tell you that John is the best three-point shooter of all time and he was a war devil. Now somebody else I wanted to bring up was Pat Mullen and Pat Mullen was from New Jersey. I met him from New Jersey and he came out and became my roommate in in he moved from Connecticut, New Jersey to Newport Beach, Corona del Mar, California, became a roommate, and he found out we had a basketball team. So I went to John Garner and said, John, you know, I got this friend of mine, and he's a really good player, and he wants to play with us. And John's going, well, how tall is he? And I said, he's, you know, like my height, 6'2", 6'3", and he goes, Jim, the last thing we need is another 6'2", 6'3", forward. And I'm like, John, you don't understand, okay? Pat Mullen averaged 27 points a game his senior year of high school, 25 as a sophomore, I'm sorry, as a junior, and 20 as a sophomore. He was All-State in New Jersey, and by the way, everybody plays basketball in New Jersey, plus the fact he got a full ride to University of Connecticut, full ride. And John didn't want him to play on the team. Well, Pat, who is a terrific guy and can play any position, he was probably the best war devil we ever had. That's Other people can debate that, but, you know, I'm going to say it. He could shoot. He was unselfish. He could rebound. He could guard anybody on the court. A terrific, terrific player. And it took John once to see him in a a pickup basketball game to say, you know what, I think we could make a little room for a scholarship player, Pat Mullen. So another guy that was that that was a great friend of mine, we're still in touch, and we have a lot of fun. His name was Greg Schmidt. And Greg Schmidt reminded me of Jamal Wilkes. Great hands, smooth, silky, never looked like he was practicing, uh, trying hard out there. He was just so smooth. The difference between him and Greg and Jamal Silk Wilkes is the fact that Greg is exponentially more funny. His jocularity coefficient is off the charts. His humor is so funny, it's addictive. You emails, texts, he is just so funny. As a matter of fact, I've got to confess something here. So my last professional stop was at was at uh, Kaiser Permanente, and I was on a meteoric rise to to become a vice president, maybe even president 
of Kaiser Permanente, but my downfall is I was addicted to Greg Schmidt's humor. He would text me and I would be in a serious meeting and I'd see that the text, you know, I check my, you know, I check my, uh, my cell phone. And the thing is, is we were in some boring meeting about what form we had to fill out and what process we had to do. Uh, something really, you know, really just took the air out of the room. So boring. And I'd see that Greg was there on my cell phone. And I'd say, okay, don't look at the joke because you're going to laugh. And so I fought it off for a while. But his humor, his mirth is addicting. You have when he when he shows up on the email, you have to read it. I mean, you just have to. When it's a text, you have to you have to look at it. So I did, and I did several times, and every time I did, I would laugh out loud in the middle of a serious meeting. And I have to tell you that derailed my meteoric rise to stardom at Kaiser because Kaiser is a very serious organization. And let's face it, there was not room for the humor of Greg Schmidt at Kaiser. So I had to make a choice, career choice or Greg Schmidt's humor. And I, of course, took Greg Schmidt war devil humor. So another guy I wanted to talk about is Pat Carroll. And Pat Carroll is a is a lawyer. I play golf with him all the time. And by the way, the guy shoots in like the like the you know the high seventies, low eighties. He is such a consistent golfer. And here I'm fa- flailing away. I know why he likes to have me out on the golf course because he takes a look at my ninety five and his eighty two, and he feels pretty good about things. You know, it looks he makes him. You know, I make him look pretty good on the golf course. And he is good on the golf course. And he's a great guy. And by the way, we had this play that we used to run when we were on the court. And what would happen, and it was so humorous. It was so humorous. And by that way, there was a legacy of humor on the on the War Devils. So what everybody would do is everybody would run around. I'd take the ball out of bounds. And everybody would run around and yell for the ball. They'd move their arms and... Pat would slowly move closer to the basket and the defense is trying to guard all these animated guys. And I would simply drop the ball off to Pat and he would hit an easy layup. It worked at least twice a game, twice a game. The defense never caught on. And that was terrific. That was terrific. And it was my favorite play, my favorite single play as a war devil, because we didn't pass the ball much. So another guy I wanted to talk about was Pat Carroll's brother, Robert Carroll, Rob. And Rob was wildly athletic. He was 6'4". He could run and jump and dunk, and he could hit his head on the rim. Great hands, a fantastic basketball player. And by the way, he does a terrific podcast on the Who Gives a Shit file. It's called The Legal Career of Rob Carroll. And he does such a great job, such a great job on the podcast. He was a prosecutor and he was a defense attorney. First, he was a defense attorney in Merced County, and then he was a prosecutor. So he worked both sides of the fence and he's got a great podcast. 
And by the way, I want you to know that that uh, MGM heard the podcast and they're going to turn this into a movie. This is brand new news. And they're all the A-listers. They want to they want to talk about Rob Carroll's career and turn the podcast into a movie. And all the A-listers. Uh, Leonard DiCaprio and Tom Cruise and George Clooney and uh, Gerard Butler and Bradley, all these A-listers want to play, but they're not tall enough nor good looking enough to play the part. So we're going to sign a movie contract, but we don't know who's going to play the part. So that was that was great. And we have John Casimir, who also was a war devil, who played basketball at Long Beach State. And he's got the distinction the, of being the only player, the only player in, in war devil history that actually played professionally. He played over in the Philippines, and he played for a basketball player by the name of Glenn McDonald, who was the coach who he played with at Long Beach State. And by the way, when John Kaz was at Long Beach State, and by the way, Kaz is living out in the Valley right now, I'm sorry, in the Coachella Valley, that that uh, he was coached by Lou Olson and Tarkanian. I mean, these are two of the legendary basketball coaches, and he played on the Long Beach State team when it was ranked second in the country. So we got him, and that is pretty good. That is pretty good. So another person that I wanted to talk about was my good friend Tom Lee. And he was a left-handed basketball player. I met him when we were both working at Travelers, and the guy could shoot. He could also play defense, moved his feet, he had a motor like you can't believe. Now, John, uh, I'm sorry, Tom is not known for his passing. So what we did during one of the warm-up drills of the game, you know, you get in line, you do the warm-up drills, is he would, what we did is we wouldn't pass on the balls in, in warm-ups because he, if you passed him the ball, he just shot it. He never passed it back. It was a black hole. He threw it in. I mean, he's a great shooter, and he could shoot a lefty, but he never passed the ball. So we decided that we weren't going to pass him the ball in, in layup drills. So we did a 10-minute layup drill and did not pass him the ball, and he chased the ball all over the damn court. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable what he was, what he was doing. And so – he is, you know, a great guy. He also is doing podcasts. You can tell it. I get all the war devils here doing podcasts. And Tom has done great work on the Yankees and on North Carolina, North Carolina basketball, the New York Yankees baseball team. He's a passionate fan. And I have to tell you that, that, that his podcast and his passion and his knowledge on North Carolina basketball has is gone international. So Tom and I will be going to Oslo because we are nominated for a Nobel Peace Prize. Yes, we are. And because of his 
really his passion and exposing the rest of the world to Carolina basketball, we have been nominated for a Peace Prize. Now, there's some stiff competition. You know, there's some guys who have done some incredible job in physics and people that have done things in global economies and in climate change. But I think that Tom is right in there with our North Carolina podcast. So we got some other people. Now, another guy who is, I was in his wedding and he was in my wedding and we are lifelong friends. And his name is Barry Gale. And Barry is what, you know, I mean, he's in his seventies right now, like most of us. So he's not the quickest guy in the world like he was at one time. Used to be able to turn off the light and he'd be in bed before the light went off. So he was so quick. And by the way, I have to tell you uh, that he also did a podcast. What he did is something unlike I've, unlike I've ever done in any podcast. And I have to, I salute him for it. I salute him for it. Because what he did is he bared his soul. He talked about his religious faith. And that is the, I've got like 112 podcasts now. And that's the only one on religion. And he talked about his personal relationship with the Lord. He talked about how his family was is involved in, in, in Catholicism. And let's face it, it's not popular right now to be part of that religion. But he had the guts to come on my podcast and share that information. It is a terrific podcast. It warms my heart. I learned, you know, it's funny. So you do a podcast with somebody, I did it with Barry Gale, and I have known him since uh, basically 1980. So we're, we're going on 45 years of knowing each other, in each other's wedding, spent a lot of time together. But I learned stuff on that podcast that I didn't even know what happened. But it was, it was a terrific podcast. And Barry, I salute you. I salute you for bearing your soul to us. And also, I thank you for being a war devil. Now, another guy that I wanted to talk about a little bit was a guy named Brian Renner. And we called him World B because he could do anything. He could do anything. Played basketball at CDM, and he played at Harbor, which is kind of unusual because they're rivals. If you listen to the podcast, you know that. He also he also played junior college at Orange Coast College, and then he played at Chico State. And we used to go up every year. The War Devils would go up every year and play a team from Chico State. And you know what? I didn't include that in the partying that we did because we drank a lot of beer on those. Because the 40,000 beers that I talked about are only about after our War Devil League games. Though there's another partying legacy that we didn't even mention here. And that was a a lot of fun. And World Now, you know, he's, he's a nomad. He moves around. He's a COO. 
And what he does is he's, uh, last I heard, he was in Albuquerque, but he might be back. I haven't seen him in a while. He did come to a War Devil reunion, and almost everybody did that I had in my house a few years ago when Tom Lee, that Southern gentleman from Virginia, came out to visit us. Now, there's a bunch of other people that have passed. You know, I mean, when, you, when you've been a War Devil for 26 27 years once again i lost count we you know there's a lot of people that come and go and i can't mention them all here but a couple of people that i, I want to mention is a guy by the name of mike kohler and he was magic mountain was his nickname six six played at new mexico now he played at new mexico with michael cooper and norm ellenberger was the coach and Norm Ellenberger was about as dirty of a coach. Uh, it would be like getting as dirty as swimming in the La Brea Tar Pits. I mean, this guy was dirty. Mike would tell me, and by the way, Mike was a terrific player. He would, he would run and jump, and he, would, he was one of the few true centers, and I'm going to talk about the other true center, that uh, we had on our team. And he told me, that when he was at New Mexico, they were ranked number sixth in the country. This is before they got busted from the NCAA for rules violations. That he could walk, as a member of the basketball team, he could walk into any store or restaurant in Albuquerque and order any food or get any articles of clothes or get a six-pack of beer, whatever the hell he wanted to get, and he never had to pay for it because they would, they would simply bill the University of New Mexico basketball athletic department. So he was on the team. Another guy that we still see is CR, Craig Rothenberger. And Craig Rothenberger was, is an architect. He's still working. He hasn't retired yet. And if you're in Orange County and you've driven around here at all, you've seen some of the buildings he made. And he is a long, long fella. He is 6'4" but he is really long. He was a voracious rebounder, a voracious shot blocker. He would gobble up all the rebounds, especially on the defensive end. And I have to tell you, that was so much fun playing with him because the shot would go up and we, the other four, uh, would not even look to see where the ball was going. What we would do is we would take off. We would start running and run up court and because knew we that Craig would just gobble up the rebound, get it out, and we'd be off and running on a fast break. Another guy that I wanted to talk about real quickly who spent about two seasons with the War Devils was a guy by the name of Bob Epstein, and we met him. He was in the insurance industry. I was in the insurance industry. I mentioned I've been with Kaiser and Blue Shield. Well, he was in the same industry as us, and I saw a, a fair amount of him, and he was a blur. He was a one-man fast break. He played at Lehigh University, and the guy was no taller than maybe 5'9", and that's in shoes. But boy, was he quick, and boy, was he unselfish. Lots of fun, lots of fun playing with him. Jerry McCann played with us for a couple of years, and Jerry was a long-haired hippie. And he could jump and he could rebound. He was 6'4", and he was a lot of fun to play with. And plus the fact he was 
<laughs> he was such a typical hippie. He looked like he came out of Mulholland or Haight-Ashbury in the 1960s. Long hair. As a matter of fact, he was probably 30 years old, you know, maybe late 20s. And he decided that he was going to join the Peace Corps. I mean, he's right in the middle of his career. He's right in the middle of playing War Devil basketball. And he's almost 30 years old. And he puts life on hold and decides to go to the island of Zanzibar. I remember that he was building houses and dams for people on the island of Zanzibar, which, by the way, is part of Tanzania, which is on the, the east coast of Africa. So there was also another guy, Tim, and I apologize. I can't remember Tim's last name, but he was lots of fun. He was a terrific guy. And he, the teams, everybody that played against him hated playing against him. He was 6'1", 6'2". He was a banger. He would hit people. If he guarded you, you were bruised and battered. It was, it was not pretty. It was not pretty. But this was a stage in my life that I really, really appreciate. I met so many friends that I still continue. As a matter of fact, the War Devils now, Scott Holt, goes ahead and has, he's a part owner of a Duffy boat, and he gets a lot of us together, and we go out and we, we, uh, and we putts around on a Duffy boat around Balboa Island and Balboa Bay, Back Bay, and we catch up with each other. We are still really close. And like I said, the war devils were an institution, a culture, and it left a legacy of friendship, of basketball, of camaraderie, of lifelong, lifelong buddies. And yes, there was a legacy of partying. We did a hell of a lot of partying and we still see each other all the time. But the thing is, now that we're not, we are in our 70s, we don't party nearly as much. So listen, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. I love being a war devil and thank you for your time.